Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest is the author of a couple of books and is a frequent lecture on personality behavior and types based on a very ancient model called the Nine Points of the Enneagram. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Will you please welcome Helen Palmer to West Coast Live. <laughs> Thank you. Could you describe what uh, the Enneagram, it's, it's a star-shaped structure. Yeah, it's, it's a diagram that has nine points, and each point describes um, easily recognizable personality. Everyone's got a personality, and so it's become very popular because it's useful for people that aren't psychologically educated or uh, don't have the interest in studying but they uh, get immediate benefit from recognizing their type and the people whom they relate to. The idea of breaking personalities into types has been something that uh, has been done by thinkers for centuries. I mean, this whole, sort of whole idea of the Enneagram is centuries old. Uh, Dante tried to do personality types. The Catholic Church has done personality types yeah. of one kind or another. Uh, what is the origin of this particular study? Hard to say. Uh, it has the spiritual perspective of Dante, which is discovering your central blind spot. And the blind spot creates a lot of suffering. Uh, so the idea is to uncover it and start to observe it and convert it to its opposite virtue. And that goes all the way back to the Aeneids in Plotinus, vice and virtue and the blind spot in ourselves that we keep. Um, misreading other people, we don't see their intentions, we don't see their blind spot, we don't see our own, and so there's a lot of kind of blundering in the world. And the Enneagram is a, from the ancient perspective of trying to uncover the blunder and the blind spot to improve relationships with yourself and with other people. So part of this is that our strengths are at times our weaknesses. Well, it starts out as a weakness starts out as a defense system uh, based on very real reasons. You know, a child who's made to be afraid is going to become fearful. So without realizing it all through life, they go uh, through relationships and jobs and make mistakes and have victories. But the, the blind spot, the kind of center point of their being would be that they're searching for something trustworthy, something called faith. So without realizing it, and you don't have to be a, a particularly spiritual person, to have a path set out for you because it's the opposite tendency of what you would call your weakness. The weakness got there for very good reasons. It was a coping strategy when the child was young. But you run around in life looking for the opposite tendency and that becomes a lasting impression. And unless you know that you're faithless in the sense that you, you have this kind of paranoia or apprehension about people, then it creates a lot of disturbance in the world because being afraid, you overestimate other people's power, uh, you don't feel equal, so you come out either as a tough guy, you either fight it or you flee, you run away as kind of a phobic or a frightened stance. And, uh, you know, coming into midlife, you begin to watch this, you know, you, you kind of get wise to your own perspective and you watch yourself and you see the signs of this that you're more either timid or more combative out of fear than eight other types of people might be if you use this system. So when you start to get to work on yourself, you know, life sticks you to these problems in life and people say quit overreacting or quit running away, stop being so fearful. So in a way we kind of remind each other, usually in an unrecognized way, to 
uh, get on the case, get on the path of recognizing the virtue, the opposite tendency. What has been the, the weakness in, in you that you've discovered about yourself or trying to find? I just told you. Shall we evaluate you now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have enough time here to do that? I don't know. You're, uh, the, the characters that you have are uh, the perfectionist, the giver, uh, the performer, the romantic, the observer, the trooper, the epicure, the boss, and the mediator. And your first book, which I remember being quite interested in, in, in reading, was you sort of took these types one by one, analyzed strengths and weaknesses, and then this new book, you try to take it more into the workplace, how people get along with different personality types. Now, the first book, uh, oddly enough, with a peculiar title like the Enneagram, which is not exactly your hot number title, um, it went over the top. We won three national bestseller lists. We, uh, it, was a, it was an incredible uh, uh, breakthrough, really, for this kind of psychology in which ordinary people uh, observe themselves, discover their tendency, and have some helpful remediations as to what they can do to cultivate the, uh, the virtue. The second book deals with interpersonal relationships, you know, typical interactions between these nine types. So it's become um, a, a big area of interest in business where people have to work together and in relationships where you have an intimate relationship with someone and you want to understand them better. So this one is on relationships, the second book. And uh, I think it's going to be a very important book, not because I'm a great writer. I'm not a writer. I'm actually a, a meditation teacher. But because the material is so appropriate, it's uh, so necessary for people to be able to understand each other's intentions. And that there's kind of like a defensive maneuver that's hooked onto this vice that we have to uncover, the blind spot. And if we understand each other's intentions, and we, a lot of what we see is personally directed against us. You know, you're deliberately obstructing my aims in life. It kind of washes out. So just watching you and the way that you've you know, worked up here, I've been here for about half an hour, and I watched you on stage. Yeah, I mean, you can immediately discount at least four of these types. Just from the way you positioned yourself in life, the choices you made to get up on this stage, the kind of show that you run here. So if you know what you're looking for, you can get a, a great deal of information, useful information about people's intentions, you know, what makes them cook. And uh, so we could take out, for example, a highly detached type that doesn't move toward people, the observer, who uh, likes tremendous amount of privacy, not just every now and then as a refueling station, but really needs privacy. I think we could take that out. We might want to take out the boss, which is heavily assertive of uh, personal territory and control. So if that's not a hot number for you, see this is the blind spot with a signature of the type. The vice was called lust. And though it doesn't mean just, you know, like sexual lust, it means a kind of domination. Uh, a, a need to assert control. I don't see that in the way that you interview people. And you probably wouldn't relate to it much in life. So we got rid of two, so there's only seven left. See, what, what you're doing is a, is a differential diagnosis. That's what it's called in psychology, how people are different from each other. You don't want to focus on how you're the same, because then you can't see these differences in internal intentions. And we can't be helpful to each other if it's all about schmoozing and being the same. It's like this kind of honoring of differences, like how you see the world differently than I might see it. So let's see what else we could get rid of. Um, uh, 
How are you on um, missing things? Do you have a lot of hankering for things that are distant and longing? Has that caused a lot of sorrow in your life? <laughs> mm. uh, some things, maybe. Take that one away. All right. This would be the tragic romantic, which is uh, probably not your type. And the tragic romantic has a strong hankering for the distant, the unavailable, the longing, the missing. You know, and a life theme is built out of that, and a lot of deep creativity. It's not on the negative side. But again, you're, you're looking for how you're anchored in a different way than other people, not how you're the same. So the blind spot is what we're looking for. And so we can take out the four. Uh, the giver is somebody who moves toward people, but the agenda is to alter your self-presentation in order to be lovable. Possibility. I don't think it's any cigar, but it's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into more of the territory of what you might say, yeah, you know, this really is a theme for me. Not just something I do every now and then, but the way I walk down the street. Something central. One possibility is the epicure. And this is a guy whose uh, whole life theme is around positive future plans and options and possibilities. It's kind of the mind of a dreamer, where there's lots of, there's lots of possibilities. And it's, it's sort of an unfailing optimistic in a certain way. That might trigger something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so interested in hearing you talk. And I'm, and I'm torn here. Helen, because I'm getting signals that we're running out of time, and you know, and I don't want to dodge the issue either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life gets that way, doesn't it? Torn between options. Just there's so much to do, especially when you're on the hot seat and you can get off. Right? <laughs> well, you're very good at warming this seat up. I mean, usually, usually I try to keep the other one cozy here. But I would leave you with that. So that's how I would leave you know, someone who's trying to learn their uh, type on the Enneagram, just with a suggestion that you might read about the Epicure in the book. Actually, I haven't. I actually figured out that I might be another type mm -hmm. in, in there. But, uh, the Epicure is a possibility. The three, the performer, is a possibility. And the nine is a possibility, which is uh, mediating between um, different points of view. So we'd suggest that you would read you know, those two or three chapters, which are very brief, and see if you could discover something about yourself. Well, in reading your first book, I certainly noticed why I had difficulties with certain other people of other personality types, mm -hmm. which I think is one of the interesting things about your, your new book, is how these types can conflict, and they conflict not because of people's good points, but because of what we're internally afraid of or wanting to hide or don't know about ourselves. Yeah, it's the discovery of the blind spot. And uh, it it, when, once you discover it, it is uh, so pervasive all through your life that uh, it's a very economical starting ground for self-change. The books are called the Enneagram, which is, is Greek, comes from the Greek num number nine uh, because of the nine points of this, and the Enneagram in Love and Work, Understanding Your Intimate and Business Relationships, both by Helen Palmer and uh, both published by Harper Collins and uh, Harper and Rowe, which you share with Newt Gingrich, I guess. <laughs> I guess I do. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming in and talking with us today on West Coast Live. Thank you. Helen Palmer. This is Sedge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.